Welcome. This is not your average musician podcast. I'm here to bring you the stories of some of the baddest musicians around, and together we can learn the lessons that they have to share, how they became musicians, and what it took to get to where they are now. My guest today is J.D. Shimon. He and I go back a few years. We first met through my job at New York City Guitar School, and he used to intern at the summer camps that I used to work at. And as a younger kid, he he made an impression on me. Um, He was a hard worker, a go-getter. He was always willing to help out. He was dedicated. His passion for music was very obvious, and he took the job seriously, and I, I always appreciated that. But more importantly, he was a really good model. We worked with younger kids and teenagers, and I remember how he interacted with them. They they looked up to him, and and he took that seriously, and he, he did some good. I, I really believe that. He's a he's a young guy, but don't let his age fool you. He's definitely getting after it. He's um, working hard on his craft, and he's finding interesting ways to take advantage of his skill set. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be doing great things in the future, and I feel fortunate to have captured this conversation with him. In this episode, we talk about different avenues, professional avenues available for musicians, his transition from being focused on performance to his passion for gear and tech as it relates to guitar and music. We also discuss his process for learning new skills. JD is a talented multi-instrumentalist and quite a capable musician. And he has a, he has a knack for breaking down um, breaking down skills and, and getting good at them. So there's definitely a lot for all of us to learn there. So let's get right to it. Enjoy. All right. So let, let, let's get this thing uh, officially started then. Why don't you um, start with... Who you are, what you do, and where you come from, that kind of thing. You know, what's sure. your story? So, uh, I'm a big storyteller, so I could take forever with this. But um, That's what this, I, all, uh, this is all about, yeah. Beautiful, great. So, I'm, um, I was born in, in uh, Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, uh, and I've moved around a lot. Uh, regular life stuff like everybody else. Um, my parents split young, so I moved around. Uh, and at one point... Uh, just I'll get this out of the way. My mom had to move to Florida. So my dad was like, uh, okay, you and your little sister get to pick where you guys want to go. And I was like, oh, well, the music scene in New York is way bigger and better than it is in Florida. And it's going to be tough to move like five guitars down. So I decided to stay. And uh, that was the right choice. Because in high school, I started to uh, record and I was running my high school music program uh, the bands, the advanced bands from sophomore year. And I, uh, I've been working on my own guitars since I was 12. Um, music, I, I don't remember what first made me love it, but I've, I've been, I've been playing instruments since the second grade, uh, guitar. I've been playing professionally. I would like to say since I was 16, um, subbing for gigs, doing little recordings and things like that. And now that I'm in college, I'm studying recording and electronic music. But like I said uh, to you a little earlier, uh, I do a lot of local guitar repair and uh, I wire pedal boards. I I help people understand signal flow, um, like in building their own studios or just doing their own menial recording. So I decided uh, for myself not too long ago that I want to I want to build guitars and make 
guitars that already exist better for the player to uh, to really you know have a, the best experience they can because I played bad Squire guitars and Epiphones and uh, I've been blessed to uh, thankfully to have American-made beautiful Fenders and Gibsons and uh, it's it's the difference is astounding but with a little work you can you can make what is considered a crappy instrument a really great playing show ready instrument that's so interesting man what so music has been like part of your life for forever like it's it sounds like it's been it's been the thing for yeah for <laughs> for the you know the longest right how for sure how did you get into do you or do you remember how you got into more of the technician side or repair and that did you just start like messing around on your own what what got what made you go from like i love music i love playing and what got you onto that that uh side of things a couple of little things like um so to uh give a quick shout out mike bennett um he was my personal guitar teacher when i moved back to new york from california just let me close my door real quick yeah yeah go for it um so when i moved back to new york from california uh when i was in seventh grade my grandmother had bought me guitar lessons online uh through uh i forget what company but uh i took lessons with mike And then Mike showed me New York City guitar school. So that's how I started there. But um, when I was a kid, you know, just noodling on the guitar, not even knowing power chords yet, I had broken a string or two, had to take it to Guitar Center or ask my music teacher to get her husband, who was a guitarist, to um, fix it when I was in like fourth, uh, that, fourth or fifth grade. That music teacher story happened. In seventh grade, when I got guitar lessons with Mike, um, I had been messing around with guitars and electronics because of uh, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I wanted a kill switch in my guitar. So I started to like just watch YouTube videos and also try to do as much reading as I can about the, the design of a guitar, why, uh, like how they work, why the string tension works, what's the difference between a guitar that's got buzzy frets and what one that doesn't um, like back like I said, the electronic work. And um, the first step of it all was, I don't want to give Guitar Center my guitar for a week and then $150 for them to just change the strings. So I, I wanted to do it my own as a kid. And I was in like sixth grade or no, fifth grade, I was doing it and I messed up. I uh, over tightened a low E string and I've got a cut on the side of my face to prove it. <laughs> so I, I learned young uh, about tension. And then when I was in sixth grade, I had lied to a friend and told him that I knew what I was doing. And I, I fixed his guitar and I actually did a decent job, like honestly. And I was like, okay, so let's keep this, let's keep this train moving. Um, and I started to collect guitars, cheap, cheapo guitars. because. I found out about different tunings, uh, being a fan of Slipknot, uh, System of a Down guitars, all drop D, but also a whole step down or more. So I, uh, I started to collect them so I could have the different tunings available. And then I was like, all right, so you got to maintain them. And uh, now the collection's at 15 total in my room. Uh, I have two guitars that belong to customers, three guitars that belong to customers right now, but I've got seven and three basses and uh, a MIDI guitar that's right behind me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the jammy thing. It's not the greatest, but it was uh, it was a cool little gift. 
I'm sure it's interesting too. You probably get some some cool things out of it that you know that you couldn't yeah. otherwise. For sure, piano sounds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Cool. So, what what's it look like now? Are you still looking to pursue music like in in from the musician side? Like, are you do you still want to play in bands, perform, make music, or what? What's a what's going on through your head these days in regards to your future? Yeah. So for me, I've always struggled because I I love playing music. Um, I really, really do. And in high school, you know, it was all, everything was a cover or, um, you know, jazz standards, things like that. So I learned that I can play music very well, but I struggle to write, which has always been a bummer. And I've done a lot of different exercises. I've spoken to a lot of different people. I've taken songs and altered them beyond, uh, you know, recognition uh, of the original tune and said, okay, yes, I've written a song this way. This is a composition technique, but uh, I really struggle with lyrics and um, the whole, the big picture. I can make a cool guitar part over a, a rap beat, a hip hop beat, because um, I did that a lot in high school, but to s sit down and have a song come out or like lately I've been listening to a lot of math rock bands like Chan, um, just incredible guitar playing and I'm like how like how do you even comprehend what they're doing or like how do you play what they're doing so I've I didn't want to give up on that and uh I do I do play guitar first um funny enough I've made most of my like studio money playing bass guitar for people or gigging with bass um drums are my favorite instrument to play and I do play a little piano um, studying that So I'm a, I'm a multi-instrumentalist, but, uh, I have to, I, I, I struggle to write songs. Um, and I've also do some vocals. I've been like freestyling with friends a lot, which is really funny. We put on a beat and it's, it feels like a party, but it's five guys in a room and they, we take it kind of serious because you, you can get real jokey and it's funny, it, mostly white guys. So it's a little corny, but. <laughs> uh, sometimes we take it seriously and uh, I'm hoping one day I can, you know, put the pieces all together and, and have a nice yeah. product. So I'm not giving up on writing anything. I just, I'm focusing right now on building, um, trying like sustaining what I'm doing now mm -hmm. and also looking forward to the future. What, I'm not quite sure what exactly is going to happen after I graduate in two years but right now we're building everything up so mm -hmm. i feel i feel good about that but sometimes i feel like i really got to sit down and write you know <laughs> yeah that's but that that's really cool dude that you kind of have the the awareness to understand like what your strengths are and you're like okay i'm lacking in this area especially in in your case because you're being like entrepreneurial by like you know having customers and getting you know you're like you you got to make some money right and then so you're yeah. digging and doing these things so that's cool like all right i'm not going to do that writing songs right now but i'm going to do that by doing these these other skills that that i do know how to do which is i mean that's that to me is it's so cool dude and how did that come about when did you start being like more more business was because for me you know like musicians in my case i've always been more about the art the craft and then exactly. it's like now i'm like okay i gotta start thinking about like the business of things how am i yeah. gonna make money what can i do what can i do you know how, exactly. how did that start out for you so i um you know i it's funny i grew up 
what I consider directly middle class, um, like uh, going between two households. Uh, my mom had welfare and my dad worked a lot. So it, I was middle class in that I didn't struggle way too much. You know, I things were okay, but I didn't get a lot of frivolous gifts. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm very blessed because my dad uh, very much loves his kids and he's he done a lot for us. He did everything that he could. So uh, I was able to get my hands on a guitar when I wanted one. And I had my guitar for the longest time. And as as time went on, I started to make my own money, whether it be saving up for doing a chore for my grandpa or um, getting good grades. And my dad's like, here, I can throw you 50 uh, saving those things up and then being like, all right, I need a guitar that I can tune down um, a whole step. Um, And then because I was maintaining all my own things, I realized that I could be helping others um, and doing cornering the market essentially, because as important as money is, I also care about what I'm doing. And I've tried to give my help. to. I've, I've asked guitar center for a job since I was 12 years old. Because uh, I know about guitars, and I was like, I could sell guitars. And now that I'm a technician, I'm like, you guys don't want me? No problem. Uh, I'm not bothered. So um, even here, my local guitar store, I did the same thing. I bothered the I bothered the shop owner. I gave him my resume. I told him I was like, sir, I'm sorry, but I have to admit, I'd been stealing your business. People are coming to me for guitar repair, and I much rather do the right thing, work for this store, work on the books that would make me happy. I could prove something that way instead of being like, Hey, other 20 year old college student, can you write me a review on Instagram <laughs> to let people know yeah. that I'm uh, fixing guitars? So it, you can charge a lot of money to, to do it. Cause it is a delicate process and you yep. can very, very quickly mess up someone's guitar if you're not careful. Um, but I, I charge $50 to begin basic setup and polish. I take the guitar part, clean it, put it together, uh, intonate it, level the frets, soon level the frets, level the um, action on the fretboard, whether you like, whether you like it a little higher, a little lower. Mm -hmm. Um, A customer recently just brought in a a Epiphone 335 Pro. And um, when once I was done with it, like I, I played it and it was cool. He played it and it started to buzz. So that means his finger technique was a little different than mine. So he had some buzzy frets and we had to Goldilocks it. Oh, can you raise it a little bit? Oh, it's too high. Can you lower it? Uh, almost. And then after like three iterations, we, we got it what the customer considered perfect. So that's what I ended at. And I only charge 50 because it doesn't take long to do. I, I know what I'm doing. I want the customer to trust me. I let them look at all my guitars that are, against the wall on the side. Um, and I, you know, just, it's enough money for me to keep going and put some money away. Also be able to buy groceries, also be able to pay rent because I'm, I'm not doing anything too crazy. If I have to, then I have to say, all right, buddy, I need to pay for parts and, or get a sep- special tool for your guitar. Um, and you just have to be honest with the customer because you want to take care of their, um, equipment. And I, I, I try to tell the customer, I'll, tr- I want to treat your things the way I treat my things. Cause I want to, I want to play them. I want to be able to jump around in my room and play them. Or if I have, happen to do a gig, be it, uh, 
some gospel church music uh, in Queens or hopefully once I turn 21 playing with soul, uh, soul glow, that'll be a lot of fun. So I, I, the business part kind of, I think it came at the beginning of college because I had been doing it and I had done it for, um, for New York city guitar schools um, for doing uh, for all of the uh, acoustic guitars for summer camp. So I started to let people know and I didn't get too, too many customers, but uh, I, I'm glad I got the start and I, have the experience to back it up thanks to dan emery and 200 acoustic guitars yep yeah that that is really useful i remember yeah i remember those summer camps and you were just uh string and like and i remember you even helping out with with uh the stu my students guitar sometimes because they're you know 12 13 and they never take care of it they don't know how to maintain their instrument and i'm like damn this pot this pot is loose or the wire keeps coming or anything like that or anything with the amps and like you know you were there i know who i was texting you know i was like hey, I when you get, yeah when you get a chance if you can come by you know and and i, I yeah i remember all of that and that's great that you look at it like that you got so much mileage you know in in those like short months you know just going through it and yeah. practicing right for that's, real and mm -hmm. if you, like you wish you could put the time into so many other things like not that time specifically but i wish i could do ridiculous drum fills but that's 10,000 hours that I had put into guitar and bass and pedals that I didn't put into playing the drums or practicing my piano. So I can, and I can play those instruments and I love doing it. It's just your ability is not there when you're not practicing, mm -hmm. be it an instrument or repairing something, or even if it's painting walls, <laughs> painting the corners and missing the ceilings, like you, you practice, you'll get better. And that goes mm -hmm. for anything. It's, Everything is a cliche, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. To, and now, tell me a little more about that because I, I have heard you play drums. I've heard you play guitar. I've heard you play bass. You're fucking good at all of them. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, Thank you, boss. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, man. And then on top of that, now you're doing all these guitar things. And how, how old are you? I'm 20. See, uh, my birthday's dude, in January. Yeah, I mean, damn, bro. And, and like, I know you've put in the time, you know, because you started really young and, and it's been there. But tell tell me how, like, I I think that you're good at, like, also, like, uh, like learning things, you know, like taking new uh -huh. skills because you, you didn't only do – I've only ever done guitar, you know, and now I'm, like, getting into new things. And mm -hmm. it's – and sometimes realize I don't remember how I learned guitar, like, when I was 12, you know. But, like, you've gone through the learning process a few times because you started with guitar and then you mm -hmm. went through other instruments and you went to get – so tell me, like – what what's your approach to like learning something that you're not good at or that you were interested in? Mm. So un unfortunately, I do think there is uh, a bit of talent coming into play and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I don't know why it is that my fingers were able to play bar chords pretty easily. And I struggled to teach that to students when I was, when I was doing my junior teaching at uh, New York city guitar schools. Um, but for me, it's as much as it is truly just relentless practice uh, and doing what you want, you, you have to, like within yourself, understand or figure out how to take different approaches to many different things um, and also not to beat yourself up about it because um, like tapping on guitar, I remember when I first tried to and now like it's one of the things I instinctively do because... I've been listening to a lot of that math rock, Chan and 
Polyphia, even back to Stanley Jordan in the 80s, who was like the first dude to be doing all that craziness. Um, I haven't heard that name bring brought Stan, up in a while. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just he way too ahead of his time, unfortunately. Yep. So I had to like teach, not teach myself, but ground myself and be like, all right, if this is what you want to do, you know, you can watch people do it. You can watch an instructional video. You can try it, but you can't just try it once or one way. Like, even if you get it to work, uh, a great example of this is, um, so I can slap bass. Uh, and I'm, I've been doing that since about 13 years old. And I, when I was in high school, I was one of the only uh, light-skinned musicians. Um, I was one of the only light-skinned students in the entire school. And my teacher, he was a little edgy and wasn't always kind. And he used to say to the band, why is it that uh, the only white kid in the band can slap bass? And I was like, I don't know. This is not very nice to say. Um, but with slapping, I had to sit down and like try moving my arm up and down. It took a lot of hours behind the scenes, you know, I didn't just grab it and start slapping like crazy. And then you have to worry about your left hand technique. Like, what are you doing? You know, uh, what are you playing? Is it all just octaves? Are you going to do some tenthy stuff where you got a major or minor quality? Um, and now I'm working on double thumbing, which is ridiculous because you slap down and then you come back up with thumb and it's, it's, not easy and you have to practice doing it quickly kind of using your thumb as a pick so you have to learn a new way to move your arm instead of keeping your shoulder straight you have to like move your elbow a little bit and your wrist it's a whole process so you have to really you have to be on your your own ass about it essentially and if something is hard or it doesn't make sense it's okay to be like all right let me think about it let me not touch it let me watch a video or something instead of uh, just, you know, like literally hurting yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that, that stuff is really like fascinating to me, <clears throat> especially when people are like good at a couple or, you know, at many different things, you know, and just like breaking that, breaking that stuff down. It's so, super interesting to me. Why? Um, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, there is, like, you know, if you if you decide to go or most musicians, if you decide to go to college, usually and in the performing thing, you usually have a choice of going to like either jazz or like classical. Right. Mm -hmm. But you went for production. Right. Yeah. Being the player that you were. And what's your high school, a performing arts high, uh, high school? Or? So I went to a Catholic high school, actually, okay. which was very weird, but um, weird. It was very interesting. But we had a really great music program. Um, I was actually a member of the band August before my freshman year because I had met the music teacher and he auditioned me. So I was coming to summer practices and I was performing for the freshmen that were in my class um, in, in September. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was just, it was, I, wow. It's like bringing me back cause I haven't really thought about it or talked about it. Um, <laughs> playing pl I, like I remember in high school not being able to play the drums like I remember before then so uh, 
I don't know. I'm sorry. I got a little jumbled up thinking about high That's school. Good, man. Don't worry. Um, so for the reason I did production, ooh, um, I love the guitar. I Nirvana was my first favorite band and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I just had a bunch of guitar heroes and bass always sounded really cool. So I, I wanted to get my hands on a bass and play some, some bass, obviously. Um, and then once I got to high school, there were drum kits around. So I wanted to try that. Um, and I realized like, you know, if you want to study all these different instruments, you have a few different choices, you know, don't go to school, um, and work real hard and save your money and figure out things, uh, the best way that you can, or go to school and become a music therapist or some other kind of, um, long term program where you have to study a lot of different musical instruments. Um, or you can, uh, be fortunate enough to go to a school like Berkeley and study like, I don't, I don't even know what they call it, but I think it's like contemporary music, just modern pop music. Uh, so, and then the one that I chose was production. Um, because in, with production, they're going to teach me. And thankfully I, I got to work on some production and mixing and mastering. I was doing some apprenticeships while working at New York city guitar school with mixing and mastering engineers. So I knew a little bit of the after part of production and I had been recording in high school. So a lot of things culminated and I realized that with production, I can keep playing guitar, take guitar lessons. I can work on bass, switch over to bass lessons at some point, keep playing drums and record all these things and um, utilize all of the, the musical knowledge that I have into the recordings and be able to be a, like a self-sufficient system or understand enough to help other musicians record if they need to not only literally press record and be ready to do that, but also to help them with their parts or to record for them um, a certain part. So I went for that. And also um, one thing that uh, not a lot of people know about me, but I do where aside from, you know, playing rock and metal and also jazz and alternative indie music and also rapping and doing metal vocals, uh, screaming. I, um, I, what's it called? I like to, um, I like to make beats. I like to make hip hop beats and I like to make dubstep and I like okay. to DJ. That's a DJ controller right behind me. <laughs> so I do all these different musical things cause I like these different musics. So my, these different musics, <laughs> so um <laughs> so good my um my school's major uh for this is called recording and electronic music so i get to study working on electronic music uh for me i'm gonna work on dubstep because i've I've always loved it and it needs to come back <laughs> that's so cool man so and but what and what what specific or do you, if you remember what specifically started driving you like because you're like i, I don't want to say all over the place because it doesn't sound like you are it's it's weird because you're like you're focused but you're like doing a lot of things at the same time right but yeah what what got you from like okay i'm not gonna do performing in college because like a lot of i i think i don't know a big percentage of musicians or people go choosing that path they go for performing right yeah um, they, they like to play that's what they're gonna do and that's what that's gonna happen why or what what was the reason for you like 
actually like deciding that nailing down on production and electronic music? So I definitely do want to continue to be a performer too. Um, but I felt that like, I love jazz. I've, I've grown to love jazz more than I originally did um, back in high school. Cause I used to dislike it uh, at a point. Cause it was really hard. It's really hard as a guitarist. Um, but um, jazz performance is very intensive and there's a lot of, you know, respect that you need to have for yourself, other jazz musicians and, you know, the craft, which I'm, I don't want to say I'm not willing to do. It's just not my whole life. Jazz is not my whole life. And that's, that's a serious undertaking if you're going to be a, a jazz musician. So I decided that I'm not going to chance it and try to be the best jazz guitarist or multi-instrumentalist of any kind. I want to be the best musician, excuse me, the best musician that I could possibly be, um, whether it's for myself or for others jamming or uh, hopefully, you know, sometime soon, not making jokey songs. Cause that's what a lot of people have recommended to me uh, when I say I struggle to write songs to write things that are funny and stop worrying, just say anything, even if it sounds real silly. Um, I hope that I can get a message out with music one day because you know, classically like music helps people. They're emo kids like, like me with my nails painted. Like I listen to certain music and it helps me feel things out and work on my emotions or think, or, you know, really just change my mood. And I want to put music out that helps people like me or helps you have a good time, headbang or anything, you know, um, that's, that's one of the goals, but you also got to, you got to find a balance in happiness and you got to pay to survive. Unfortunately, you got to pay rent or own your home or, and buy groceries, <laughs> gas in your car. So it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, really, really cool that you recognize that jazz is not what you wanted to do. Like, cause, cause you're all right. That if you, that's what you're going to study and like, it's super hard. Everybody's really good. And you know, it, it's, it's not something that you like, if you, I mean, if you want to do that, go do it, you know, but that you yes, recognize but that you that's have not, to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, otherwise, if your heart's not like 100% in it, like, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be tough, you know, or, or to part time. And I don't, I don't think uh, it took me way longer um, than that, because I, I like try to impose jazz on myself for years and years and years. And I can't play it. I can't, I can't. And it was, but it was just like, it, you know, because, because I thought that that's what you had to do. You know, I thought that that was the thing that I was like, well, that's what all these pros are doing. So that's what I got to do. You know, it's uh... exactly. Yeah. And for me, it was weird, my relationship with jazz, because I started out, you know, Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers into metal for some reason, Slipknot and System of a Down, uh, other new metal bands. And I understood that jazz was important. And I had come across a couple of seventh chords in my adventures <laughs> that I was like, whoa, what the heck is going on? But um, in high school, my sophomore year, like right at the beginning in September, uh, not only did my teacher put me in charge of like advanced band, small band, 
like grade level bands, which most of them had the same musicians, but I had to like, we would use different names for different things. I don't know. So he made me in charge of all these things. And then he calls me into his office. He goes, you're spending every weekend at Jazz at Lincoln Center. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> what, what do you mean? And uh, he told me that he, he had, there, there was a deal made between Jazz at Lincoln Center and my high school where they would send students to our high school to use it as rehearsal space on the weekends. And as a, in return, eight students from my high school got to go to Jazz at Lincoln Center to train and to perform. Only problem is we are not talented jazz musicians and we're in a room with the most talented jazz musicians <laughs> like ever, very, very young and extremely talented people. And then casually just jazz legends are walking in and out of the room names that like most people wouldn't really know. And I wouldn't really know, but um, Joe Temperley who uh, he used to be there and then he passed away uh, like, a year or two into me being in the program, but he was an old jazz legend who had played with so many incredible people. Um, Vince Gardner, Kenny Rampton, uh, Wynton Marsalis, who created the program. I had spoken with him once and he told me that, uh, oh, you're a guitarist? Uh, well, the guitarist is kind of like the floor. And that doesn't just mean you get walked on, you support everybody. <laughs> and I was like, thank you very much. <laughs> so, so with that, I was like, this is my experience with jazz. I don't even know what these chords are. And in three years, I got to learn chords, melodies, relationships. And it wasn't until college when I started taking jazz theory classes because you could do that instead of classical theory. Uh, I learned how intense these chords are, the modes, what modes even are and why they're important. Um, not even why they're important, but what they are, what they're used for. And then after Jazz Theory 1, once I had figured out all the major scales and through the modes, also the minor scales and other stuff, Jazz Theory 2 goes, all right, here's the jazz melodic minor scale, which is just, uh, it's a major scale with a flat three is the easiest way to look at it. So you take all of those and you make the modes of those and that's a whole different ballpark. And even before then, there's one in the middle, secondary dominance. So you take the mixolydian and you, tur you turn every scale into mixolydian. So you either flat the seven or you raise the third. So uh, while this might be gibberish to a lot of musicians or jazz musicians who do understand this are like, yeah, this is great, good stuff. All of this information, like you need to use it in order for it to make sense. Yes. And you have to actually sit down and write out all those scales. I, I got a grade for it, so that's why I did it. But if you have the discipline to sit down and write out, I think the math came out to something like 196 scales. <laughs> you write every major scale and their mode twice each the way that we do the assignment. Uh, you, you will know. <laughs> you yeah. will know oh, what's yeah. going on. I think it's, uh, it's cool because... Like, I, I don't know if I would have the discipline to do it outside of school. And it was when I got to those classes. Uh, for me, I remember getting an assignment, like writing pieces in like uh, classical form, like sonata form and, and things like that. And I was like, I would never do this outside of that. But no. it was I learned so much just from doing that, you know, and it was yep. uh, 
Yeah, I think that's what, one of the great things about about going to school is just you, you get put in these situations that I mean you kind of you have to do it, you know. Yeah, it, for, it's it nuts. forces you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the grade is nice, you know, because it's either you do really well or you don't, and that propels you. But mm -hmm. actually doing the work and like being able to sit down and be like, what is a Dorian scale? <clears throat> How can I really hear the difference between that and a and a regular minor scale, Aeolian, mm -hmm. Aeolian scale, or how useful Mixolydian is, especially in jazz. Um, you know, it's music theory. All these things culminate, and it's it's funny. I I call myself a musician technician because of all the work that I do, and I'm not a songwriter. Um, but being a musician can mean so many things, like. I used to, in a way, disrespect producers and DJs like, oh, they're just pressing buttons and turning things on and off. Well, yeah, they are, but that's music and we enjoy it. And they're manipulating sound and manipulating emotion like that. And it's, there is a lot, you know, guitarists can learn about rhythm from DJs who are scratching, hence Rage Against the Machine or even in dubstep, the use of um, like having a rhythm and creating a small deviation from that rhythm on like the third repetition and then doing it once. And that's a four bar phrase. So it's, it's really, it's really interesting um, how much music ties into itself all around. Yeah. And there's so many, like you said, there's so many aspects where you can approach it, right? It's not just one. You could approach it through one instrument, various instruments, or through production, through, uh, yep. you know, you know, being a technician. There's so many ways uh, to approach music. It's, it's, you know, it's almost endless, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> That's um, the best part. Yeah, de definitely. I, do, you, do you ever feel like, I don't know, like, how do you fit in all this stuff into your, your life? Sometimes I, I do, I do wonder because, you know, being in school, um, you know, I was in two summer courses, but uh, I, th I think we're, they're up in the air right now, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> um, balancing classwork for a little while and then, you know, coming home and decompressing. Um, and then also I started working at a, at the grocery store because you have to pay bills. And um, this is my first real day job. I used to teach with you. I would have been coming back this summer probably to do that. But um, now that I live up here, just got to keep the bills paid and keep the passion alive. So I come home from work and I blare my, my party speakers right here, my Yamahas. And I, whether I feel like rapping and to whatever, some Tara Reid new rap music or jamming along to Red Hot Chili Peppers or some Chon with the, the 24 fret. <laughs> Ibanez that's so cool. um, just like or playing my my basses so I'm I'm a little bit of a jerk because I've got a four string acoustic electric bass really cheap I got a five string squire bass and I got a six string Ibanez bass <laughs> so I just go through like whichever one I'm yeah. feeling and play some bass lines for whatever music or now that I got the drum kit I just need some cymbals but I've been like <laughs> like playing the, the side of the, the, the rim, just rim shot for hi-hat. So uh, use, doing that to decompress. And then social media is so important. Like I used to be addicted to my phone. And then in college, I went through like my pseudo hippie phase where I was like, I could leave my phone in my room and 
be outside for like six hours. And I did that. And now the balance is like, all right, enjoy social media, enjoy seeing what people are up to celebrities, friends, family, but get your word out there. Everybody's on the phone. If you're doing something, if you have a product, you have to learn how to advertise yourself. And I'm in no position to be spending money on any form of advertisement. It's just not reasonable right now. It's not going to pay for itself quick enough for me to warrant it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to be vocal on social media and not be afraid because the worst the worst thing that anyone can do to me in my position as a technician is say no. And really it's their loss because if you take your guitar to guitar center, you spend three times as much as I would have charged you and they're keeping your guitar for a week when I could have returned it. And I, I, and I, I want to start to be able to guarantee it. I can do it in anywhere from 45 minutes to three hours and, and it should be done. It should not be any questions after that. And you can take it home and, it's all good. <laughs> that that would be a really cool uh, if you if you could do that like you know and scale right like because then that that would mean like volume, but yeah. that uh, that's a big one especially for you know per- performers musicians like sometimes you know you got emergency things or like deadline you know things like that. I, I've no I've uh, I have my guy out here <clears throat> and he he's not cheap by any means, but he's so he's the best I've ever had. So it's it's just you know he's so good but you know the thing is you know he'll have he'll have it for like three days four days i think my first time with him was like a rush order and maybe a day two days something like that and you know i really appreciated that but yeah it's it's a it's a it's a very delicate process you know like working with somebody like that i remember i never had i took to my guitar to like you know those bake shop like guitar center and some mash and not very good experiences with that is one your tech on 14th street in manhattan no, I'm not, so I'm out in Long Island, and my, oh. my guy's just some guy working out. Yeah, I don't live in the city anymore. I haven't, I haven't That's great. Wow. So when did you move? Oh, it's been it's been a few it's been a few years. It's oh been, wow, yeah. we've been disconnected, but yeah. hey, congratulations, <laughs> you made it out the city. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, man. I, mean, I don't know how you feel about it. For me, it was weird at first, but like I really come to love Long Island and I'm really grateful, like especially during these times, there are like trees and like I can go outside, dude. And, oh yeah. You know, things like That's that. That's the best. I lived on Long Island because my I moved around a lot as a kid and living on Long Island, uh, I, I did very much enjoy it, but now I'm, I'm spoiled rotten up here in the mountains. Like I can go outside and just literally look at mountains instead of buildings, which is uh, really nice for me. And the scenery is 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 real great there's a lot of uh like nature walks and stuff up mm-hmm. here so mm-hmm. i'm i'm and it's only about 2 hours from the city uh when it when you're driving so i'm far enough away that it's not a you know big deal uh to like you know i don't have to worry about the city but if i need to get back to the city mm-hmm. i can get there really fast so i'm i'm thankful for that that's awesome yeah that, that's super dope um so I, I know you, you kind of talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but are there, what are your ideas? Like, you know, you're kind of like halfway through college, right? You're doing all mm-hmm. these things. You're putting your time in. It's super great, man. And what are you thinking? Are there like choices? What are you thinking for like, I'm going to graduate? What's going to, what's on your mind for that, for that time? So, a couple, you know, everybody's life changes every day. So a lot, a lot of stuff have, has happened. Um, my original plan was to go to Berkeley College of Music 
and study recording so that I can play as many instruments as I wanted to. Um, the way it worked out, I went to SUNY New Paltz in New York and saved a lot of money. Um, still paying for it, of course, but saved a lot of money compared to Berkeley. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to be a record producer. I wanted to uh, be just producing everything myself, laying down guitar tracks, bass tracks, drum tracks, um, helping people produce their songs and hopefully producing for myself. But as, uh, as time went on and I'll, now that, now that we're recording and I'll, I'll, I'll make the story a little longer, um, as time went on, you know, I, and I was working on not only all my own guitars and basses, but getting customers, uh, harassing people walking around campus who had <laughs> guitar cases. Yo, 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 you need your, uh, you need your strings changed. I'll yeah. do it for real cheap. I'm trying to eat. Um, so I would, I would, uh, I would do that a lot. And, um, I decided a little while ago after doing a lot of thinking and like late night YouTube binging, watching people build uh, guitars from scratch from like just wood uh, or a guitar kit. You could buy like a Telecaster kit on eBay for like 200 bucks and build it and put finishing oil on it, make the thing like a real guitar. If you're a good luthier, guitar maker, guitar repairman, uh, guitar repair person, uh, you can, <laughs> you can, um, you can make some wood into a good guitar, <laughs> which is really cool. But the, the thing that um, switched me, and I almost feel bad telling the story, but, um, but I'm, I'm going to anyway, because uh, my, my guitar teacher in college, uh, I had heard legends about him. Like, my parents went to the same college as me. My dad took history of jazz with my guitar teacher. So, like, I'd known about this guy, um, and I had heard about him through other students as time went on, and they were like, if he offers to sell you a guitar, that means he really likes you. I was like, okay, interesting. And uh, a couple of little things happened along the way. Like, it's funny, I have a guitar pick now that he gave me this one, but this is the exact one that he lost. Found this on the floor and I came into a lesson uh, and he goes, uh, I lost my favorite guitar pick. It's like very special, it's important. I can't find them anywhere. They're discontinued and I only have three of them. So if you find a blue teardrop shaped pick, it's mine. And I pull it out of my pocket. I'm like, I literally just found it. Like I was gonna use it for the lesson. <laughs> He was like, oh my God, you're the best. And then like two weeks after that, I found a Fender cable, like a 60s uh, quarter inch cable in uh, the basement of the music department where I was working. Uh, I worked for the school's music department during the semester. And I found the cable and I was like, I'd rather hold on to this than anyone else. Just take it. So um, I took it. So yes, technically I stole it. Um, but it was just sitting on a chair in the basement really late at night. And I knew that someone else was going to swipe it. My guitar teacher at, asked, did the same thing. He was like, I lost my cable. I can't find it. If you see someone with it, like it's definitely mine. And I was like, it's in my room. I found it like three days ago. <laughs> um, and I got it back to him. And then after a while, he, he would always offer to sell me pedals and like amps. And I was like, yo, I don't have $200 right now but I was always holding out for a guitar. And one day he comes up, uh, he sends me a picture of this uh, 1965 Tysco, oh. real Japanese Tysco with aftermarket Bigsby that makes the thing weigh like five more pounds. And it's, it's a beast. It's got a real thick neck and the, every pickup has a on off switch. So you can make it sound like any Strat. 
these two, these two, or you can make it sound like a telly with these two, all three on is a great sound. So he gave me this and I pushed strings on it. Never had to deal with a Bigsby before this guitar. So it was a learning process. And um, he told me, he was like, look, uh, this guitar was heavily modified and repaired, you know, neck leveled, fret leveled by uh, an extremely talented luthier named Flip Scipio, uh, who has his own website. And he, if you, if you were to Google his name or look him up on YouTube, you would, uh, you'd see a lot of great videos of him. He's an extremely talented luthier. Um, he, are you familiar with Rye Cooter? No. Um, so there's a, he's, he's some guitarist. I think it's country Western music, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he plays with a slide a lot. And there's a thing called the Cooter caster, which is a Stratocaster with, um, with a lap steel pickup in the bridge and like a P90 in the neck. And they're, they're real weird, weird action. So you can play them with a slide. Um, and the first Cooter casters were made by Flip Scipio. Uh-huh. He didn't patent them. So now oh. other people like did, but he's, he's made the first one. Like he did. Um, and he has things called flipper casters, which are, he takes Tysco guitars, old Japanese guitars that have good wood, but he, and also really good electronics. Those are incredible gold foil pickups, um, original parts, but he put the Bigsby on it professionally, leveled the heck out of it, made it beautiful. And once like, my teacher is now trusting me to give this guitar a setup. This guitar who was last touched by a man who has worked on Paul McCartney's Hofner bass, like no joke at all. So I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. I want to build not only high end guitars, but I want to find the best formula to make affordable guitars for musicians that, and when I say affordable, I mean like a kid who wants to play, guitar right now electric guitar but only has a hundred bucks so it's a small amp buddy i'm sorry but (laughs) we're gonna make your guitar as playable as possible out of the box that's these are just ideas on paper right now for sure yeah that's what i want to do because i love building guitars and i've i've been playing with legos since i was a kid building pedal boards uh so the next step is just learning how to work with wood and really understanding electronics because uh, hopefully one day I'll have a company where I'm mass producing guitars, not only customs, cause that'd be nice. It, who doesn't want a nice shiny $10,000 custom, whatever, whatever with gold hardware. Those are all great. But what if you're a kid who's like, I want a guitar that's black and white cause I saw Jimi Hendrix with a Strat and I want an S style guitar. Okay. But I don't want it to lose parts. How many students have we had? Like, why is, why is your string tree missing? You can't put a string on the guitar this way. Yeah. So how to do it right. And hopefully I can make that formula, you know? Yeah. That's, that's so cool, man, that, that you want to do that. Um, I got, I got super lucky. I, I've, you know, I didn't grow up having a lot of money or anything like that. So like my beat, my starter guitar was like the guitar that I had for like 10 years, you know what exactly. I mean? And I got super lucky. It was a, it's a, it's a brand nobody's ever, it's a Laguna guitar, right? It's, it's, um, 
I know about that brand actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, like awesome. it, playing it now, I'm like, yo, the, I got it's like way better. I mean, the any squire that I've played in, I remember my guitar teacher back then was like, oh, this is pretty good, and I thought he was just saying that. I mean, you know, you don't want to tell your student, oh, this yeah. guitar sucks, bro. But um, no, I play now, and I'm like, all right, you know, the electronic. Obviously, it's super cheap components but like the the body itself the neck everything i'm like dude you can play on this you can play right? on this it's crazy that's the thing there's good wood out there even if it's yeah. plywood like yeah <laughs> it's, it's pretty good yeah and you can adjust it and there are things you can do you can i call it the word i use a lot is compensating because it's really what you are you can and that word floats around guitar repair world a lot mm -hmm. a compensated nut or a compensated bridge um, et cetera, et cetera. But like how high or low your action is. Okay. But also the buzzing of the frets or, or not making compromises so that you can like make the guitar sound the best, but also be the most comfortable because if we're being real guitars would sound the best if the action was this high, because it's loud as heck, like it really would. Yeah. But nobody's got finger strength like that. Not even me or Thundercat. Like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you gotta you gotta compensate and make something lean. Whether it's all right, I, I'd rather be more comfortable than have the absolute cleanest jingly sound. I can work with a little bit of rasp naturally, especially if if you're a kid who's like, all right, I'm a songwriter and I deal with mainly punk genre where I've got distortion on all the time and I'm just doing power chords and I'm not doing any lead. That kid wants a nice, powerful sounding chord and also some comfortability. Mm -hmm. Go for it. The kid who's like, Oh, I, I just got into, you know, Chan and like Kirk Hammett's pretty cool for Metallica. So I'm trying to like tap all over the place. You want to give them a low action, but at the same time, like you want them to be able to play like <laughs> other chords and things. So, you have to just find a balance. And here's the thing. I don't want to say that like not anybody can do what I do, mm -hmm. but I was fortunate enough to have like crappy guitars to break as a kid, literally break and learn like, Oh, that's how much pressure, <laughs> like that's how much it takes to cause a problem. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that I, I got to put in that time and I, it's not that I don't want to teach people how to like fix their guitars. Cause there are things that if you consider yourself a guitarist, I feel you should know, you should know how to change your own string. Um, you should understand what intonation is, how to, how to do it. But these are tedious processes that if you do wrong, you could scratch the finish on your guitar or put a little dent in your guitar, or you could you know, break a string if you're not paying too much attention. So there's a lot like, there's a lot of small things you need to learn, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and if you, if you make that mistake, it might be irreparable, but if you were to put the time in to do very little research first, whether it be into actually completing that task or finding someone who can reasonably, that's what you should do. Cause if there's, if there's a repair, I can't do, if you come to me with a broken headstock, I'm going to send you out. Like, I'm sorry. I don't have, big vices and jigs that'll hold things together. I'm a 20 year old boy living in a room. <laughs> I'm doing my best here, but you, you know, just 
making connections, knowing who's who and working together. Cause that's the thing. Every, like back to what I said earlier, everything is cliche, but there's a reason for that. Music is a very much together thing. You could be alone and play music, but music is meant to be shared, whether between a band playing or musicians of any kind and the audience is meant to be shared. And so is knowledge. And so is this life. There's a lot of craziness going on outside of this. And it's, it's, it's tough for everyone, but we, life has to go on somewhere or another. It can't be all bad. So why, why are people trying to make competition or say they're better than this one? Like, dude, if you listen to Justin Bieber, I think that's dope because he has some, he has some great songs, (laughs) but there's jazz musicians where I, and they're the greatest jazz musicians of all time. And I don't enjoy their music. That's just me, but I'm never, I'm not a fan of the Beatles, but I know that they've written some of the greatest songs of all time. And they're some of the greatest musicians to ever grace this earth. So you have to give respect where it's due respect and love very close, especially in music. Cause this is so shared, you know, for sure. Yeah. Dude, that's, that, that's awesome. I'm, it's a great, it's a, no, it's really, it really is, is a great out, outlook because there are like spectrums to these things. And sometimes musicians can get a little competitive, you know, and that doesn't, it, you know, especially when, when there is like uh, business money gigs and things like that involved, it doesn't, you know, people start to like start pushing and shoving. So it might not lead to the most positive, you know, um, feelings, outcomes, you know, however, however sure. you want to put that very cool um i appreciate it yeah man for sure so i mean what what would you say to someone and i'm I'm kind of like selfishly asking for myself as well no, no I problem have, i have that i have that laguna hanging off the wall and, and that's something i've been saying for years right i was like all right if it breaks or if i mess it up like i'd be sad but i never play the guitar like i don't think i'd break it past the point where like i could still hang it and just appreciate it right but i'm yeah. like i'm gonna put I'm going to change everything on the guitar, pickups, bridge, uh, pots, everything. Right. But like the body's good. Cause I really, I grew up on that guitar. It's like, um, exactly. you know, so I was like, man, it'd be cool if I could turn it into more of a pro instrument where I could actually, it'd be actually cool to gig on it, you know? Yes. Um, and there's you, a lot of things you mm-hmm. could do. What, what would, but what would you say to like a, a, someone that's, that's never done anything like that before? that uh maybe starts to want, wants to start like modding their the guitars or start messing around with that and me i've always been like damn i don't want to i don't want to mess this one up you know no for sure and I, <laughs> coming coming from a, a person who has very much messed up guitars before <laughs> um uh you it's worth it it's it's so worth it to um take something that you have already and just make it the best the yeah. absolute best um like for example uh, so this guitar is really cool. I love this one because uh, I bought it here in New Paltz, actually down the block from where I live now um, in 2015. It's got a nice mirror pit guard. Um, when I got it, it was single, single humbucker. Um, and I just wanted for the, like, I never had a double humbucker guitar before this. Um, actually, I had one, but it like broke. And it was a Strat too, a Squire Strat. And this one has a real weird, narrow neck. It's very small, very, very small, Mm. very cool arrow headstock. It says Starcaster 
by Fender. So it's it's a Squire Strat before Squire. That's so this one's cool. from like 2004, I think. Wow. And uh, I knew how to wire pickups because I I changed pickups before. I understood the process, but getting a new pick guard and then I had made mistakes. I don't know what I did, but I had shorted a pickup out. Um, so I took it to a professional for the first time, like ever since taking it to guitar center and being like, no. Um, and all they did was they, they, they changed the pickups, wired it correctly. I, I haven't even opened it since it was wired, mm. which means I haven't changed the battery in years, but I don't use the guitar much. Um, and you know, I had to spend really good money to get the pickups done right. Mm-hmm. And as upset as I was, oh, and then like right after I was leaving the, the place, I fell off my skateboard with this on my back. And just uh, at one point in my room, I had this on a three stand and my roommate just kind of knocked it over by accident. I, and I just watched all my guitars <laughs> hit the floor and I was like, nice. <laughs> um, but like doing a complete overhaul because this is good wood and the 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 bridge is not terrible the the tuners weren't terrible so i didn't really care to change those things Mm -hmm. um but to completely overhaul a guitar is very worth it because putting locking tuners saves you in string changing um ibanez has been putting this strat style bridge in their guitars that it would fit in this guitar it's just two prongs and i think it's actually made by the brand goto and people are using them instead of floyd rose bridges because they stay in tune (laughs) they're not locking it's just a two strat thing i have an old piece of cloth tied around my springs so that they don't ring out but those have like rubber springs that don't make noise so modding your guitar speak to a professional get a couple opinions, watch a couple of YouTube videos, see what, what you think would be the best uh, for your guitar. Because, you know, there are so many different pickup choices out there, uh, color hardware choices, um, design features, like just, just of how they look um, for, instead of only practicality. Um, but getting a good bridge, like, funny i'll grab even another guitar so i guess we we will pretty much be going through the whole list i guess it's a show and tell Uh, i love it a little bit this this i tuned down a whole step uh just standard jazz master and i got nice capo on there just in case um but uh so a classmate had a a jazz master here in college that uh she said a friend made for her in high school i guess they like made out of warmoth parts or whatever it was it was in rough shape. The tuners were all like jagged, like one was this way, then one was that way. And I was like, Oh, that's rough. And she, uh, she had a roller, this roller bridge on the guitar. Um, so it's supposed to help with tuning stability. Um, the only thing is I use this guitar for metal a lot. So my string just pops out of it real fast. But, um, my teacher said that he didn't like the sound of her guitar and that her intonation was, rough because the bridge was too high on her guitar um and it was only because the rollers extend up a couple more millimeters i had the room to make the compensation for that to make it work so when she was like i don't know what to do can you like show me the right bridge to get 
so that I can uh, have it put on my guitar. I was like, well, I have the bridge and I actually really want the, the one you have. So I'll just do the whole repair job for free if you let me switch parts with you. I was like, if you ever decide, yo, I'm sorry, I need my part back, just give me mine back and I'll do it. Like, it won't be that big a deal, but I want, I want your roller bridge. <laughs> so I, I, took her, I took her bridge and she was like, oh my God, my guitar is so much better now. I love it. Um, and so th that's just a small piece of metal, but it made a big difference yeah. for me. And it, I just like it, how it feels, what it does. And the one that had regular forks in it um, for strings was better for her application. Hmm. So getting a nice bridge makes a world of difference because you can adjust the height better. Um, you can have the right, you know, comfort that you want with a new bridge, especially if you pick it. And then, like I said, with the tuners, the practicality of locking tuners or just getting uh, tuners with a ratio that you like. So like most tuners are 18 to one. Um, what this means is 18 spins on the, on the tuner itself spins the, the head where the, where the string goes through one time around, which means that you have to do a lot of work, but that <laughs> also gives you a lot of space to micro adjust for tuning. You could get some, I'm pretty sure they make like 24 to one, which is ridiculous, but, Eddie Van Halen used microtones and not a lot of people know that. So you want to tune the right way. Right. And then with pickups, like this is cool. I needed a 24 fret guitar with a Floyd Rose. So I bought this out the box. It's fine. But I wanted to put a mod in it um, because I, although I like the single coil um, and the single coil sound when you have it, because it's a five-way toggle switch, when you have like a strap position, it gives you just one of these coils and the middle or conversely past the middle position, it's the bridge. But the middle position is just the single coil, which I don't like that sound. I just don't. I'd rather it be both humbuckers. So, and then also, I, what about the combination where you get this humbucker and the single coil or all three at the same time? So I would, I wanna look at different ways to mod this guitar in particular where whether I put a five take away the five-way switch completely and give everything like an on off or like a three-way toggle switch so that's three three-way toggle switches on the <laughs> guitar and each one is like on off or a split coil or whatever so there's a million things you do or push pull pots on the volume or tone or both or concentric pots just there's a million options you can do and that's all so that you can use the pickups that are already in the guitar in combinations that are not available right now. Right. So that's a thing to think about. Even if it's, is your Laguna, is it strat style, three single coils? Oh no, it's two humbuckers. It's two. So even with that, like Mike Bennett's Paul Reed Smith or a lot of um, modern Les Paul's uh, Gibson or Epiphone style guitars, coil splitting. Yeah. Doing that so you can get strat like sounds, telly like sounds, and then have the powerful humbucker. So do you want a pot that splits both at the same time or two different pots that split each one mm -hmm. or what all these different options are available to you? And some people might think, oh, you know, I, I might not need all those sounds. I might not want them. But people like you or me who've been doing a lot uh, or understand what it is that we have already 
you know, you might want to make a change. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can really think about. And then the final bit, cause I know I, I drag on. That's all good, man. <laughs> Thank you. The, um, getting the neck leveled. Uh, there are Plek machines that there is one that I could show you in, um, the Bronx from a company called Pika Moose guitars. And it's a, it's a machine that literally takes your guitar with the strings on it and it tests to see like each little individual micro centimeter, whatever you want to actually call that nanometer <laughs> of um, like the wood and the fret. And it will then level everything. I don't know exactly how it does it, but it's a very expensive process done by a literal giant boxed machine that you just put the guitar in. And at the end, there is no guitar that can touch your guitar. It, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't get more perfect than that. Uh, and it's called a Plek machine, P-L-E-K, I believe. Uh, so, and that's just woodworking and, and messing with the frets. Uh, so you could do that to a squire. People do that to their $10,000 Les Pauls that <laughs> don't really need them, but right. every little bit counts. Right. Um, right. So it's, it's really cool how, how and just how involved you can get with, uh, with all these things, buying a different neck with a different truss rod or a different style headstock, anything. It's really, it's really great. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, and the, the possibilities sound like endless, you know, like there are so many possibilities in the, yes. So for, to, <laughs> to finally actually answer your question, <laughs> Um, you want to seek some counsel, figure out what exactly it is you want done and either have a tech do all of it at once or undertake the project on your, on your own or, um, don't go to guitar center. They say <laughs> they can help you. Just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them. Yeah, I like, I would I'm not saying they have bad technicians, but you probably don't want to go to a big store they won't send it back so fast. Yeah. Not, my experience has been, I mean, I don't I, like, but I would say that they don't have good technicians in the ones that I've been in. And they've been the big ones in New York and New York city out of in all, New York city. You, you would think that like 14th street would know, you know what I mean? Or like the one in Brooklyn and Atlantic, exactly. Ad that, you know, and it, it's just like, it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been good, you know, at all. And they won't hire me. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, why yeah no it's dude i in to that regard i think i th i think what you're doing is is good for for yourself for the future like you're building something and then like you know your quality is going to be there your demand is going to be there i think i think what you're doing is, is a great thing i would say i would say that it might not look like it now you know obviously you know it'd be cool and have its benefits to have like guitar center in these store or like a local store in, in, the, in the back but like um like that like i told the guy that i that he's just running the guy that i have out here on the island he's just he just does his own thing and that's like his entire business and then he i saw him slowly start getting into guitar making and he just he's just making uh if you're ever thing, out right? here i gotta put you guys in touch because you you have to go to his shop and um i appreciate like it. watch him work yeah for sure and he um he's super cool dude and he's like always down to help and like educate he's like taught me you know just like basic things like dude you gotta yeah. do this you gotta do that you know so like when i bring it to him it's not in the fritz you know yeah exactly and like even something as small as wiping down your strings 
it's ironic, but the worst thing in the world for your strings is your fingers, like <laughs> actually, actually the worst thing in the world. So you have to wipe off the sweat and dirt that is just inevitable. <clears throat> and that'll save not only your strings, but your fretboard. Like, like here, this is funny. So I have two customer guitars right here. These were, guitars were given to me to be repaired um, for the, uh, for the drum kit in return. So right now this is in pieces because I've got the rusty bridge sitting in some vinegar. Um, this guitar was cut. The, the whole front of the guitar looked like this. Ooh. Um, and I got all the stickers off. You could see there's still some like just tan lines from the stickers. <laughs> so this, I'm excited. This is a really cool old Fender Cyclone. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's Mexican, but it's, it's dope and it feels like really good wood. So this, this guitar needs more work. Um, the fretboard is not on as dirty on this one. This one I was scraping with a razor blade, <laughs> just cheese off the fretboard. And, um, you know, like it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't exactly get in the way of your playing, but it looks, this guitar looks like brand new. And that's because, you know, you shine it and polish it after you take the strings off. I shined the whole neck with lemon oil and scraped it with razors so that I could get all the cheese out of it. And now, you know, it looks really good and your fingers will make it dirty again. But if you wipe it down, it's not as bad. And I don't have to take a razor to it for five minutes in each fret, just gently scraping it off and trying not to uh, cut a chunk of wood out of your base. <laughs> this is so. basic. It's like, you know, you want to maintain it because that's what sometimes people and I, like I tell this to students, you know, you don't understand that this is basically like. It was craftsmanship. It was like a work of art that went into this, and it and it's wood. Like wood is delicate. It's like prone to everything: the weather, you know, like temperature changes, the way you're uh, handling it. You know, like you can't drop the thing. You know that that yeah. that kind of stuff. It's it's like it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. especially if you paid money for it. You want it to last a long time. Take you gotta exactly. take care of it. You know, like this is a funny anecdote. Um, from the guitar school and definitely not going to name names, but uh, <laughs> we had a, we had a student who had pretty expensive equipment, um, like a Fender Mustang pedal board and a nice Fender Strat. And the kid was talented for a young boy, eight, eight year old boy. Um, very talented. I found it a little weird, a little weird that the, that the kid was being sent to the, to New York city in any regard with relatively expensive equipment. Um, <laughs> Because if you misplace any of that, like if I misplaced any of that in, in, in that kid's situation, I'm not hearing the end of that. It's I'm in big trouble. Um, but then the kid had the strat was real nice, like real nice humbucker, single humbucker, locking tuners, like a super strat, like like it was made for him. And at one point, like I see that how the kid treats the guitar, dropping it, leaving it all over the place. And I'm like, this is nuts. And at one point, one of his locking tuners loosens up. So the string won't tighten the right way. And he's bugging out. Why is my guitar not stringing? I don't understand. It won't tune. And I'm like, pal, can, can I please see your guitar? Like, I know what's wrong with it. I can fix it. And he's like, no, I, you'll break it. Like, I can't. My dad won't let me let anyone touch my guitar. And I'm like, okay, but I get paid to fix guitars and I'm going to do it for free right now. <laughs> like explain to a young kid. And then I fix it. He's like, Whoa, how'd you do that? And I'm like, well, because I know about guitars, I've been doing research on them for a long time. And it's just comparative to you. I know these things because time has passed for me <laughs> and I learned. 
So like, I'm here to help you like take care of your things. And then the kid at some point must've phoned his dad and told him the story. The dad comes in and is like, I bet it was this other kid, Timothy or whatever, who knocked my son's guitar over. And I'm like, you're talking about a seven-year-old boy who knocked over your son's guitar? Like, even if he did do that, which that kid didn't, why are you, why are you questioning that? You shouldn't, you should have your son go holding that guitar for dear life at all times. That's just an opinion, you know, like who am I to tell anyone anything like that? But these are important. These are people are people treat their phones with respect. You freak out if you break your screen. Right. So treat, treat your guitar with the same thing or your car, any of your belongings. I love cleaning my stuff. Like (laughs) I'm proud of it. And that's how I think people should be. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Yeah, bro. If uh, if people want to find you, your services, who you are, your music, anything like that, where where should they uh, where should they go, man? I appreciate you. Yeah. So I I am talking to a bunch of people right now about like designing a website. So hopefully hopefully I'll have some info about that. But my Instagram um, is DJ JD Shammy with two M's, no spaces or anything. Um, uh, my Facebook is JD Shimon, um, and uh, I'm I'm available through there always. Uh, it's hard to get the word out, you know. Uh, so we 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 do our best. I'm stationed in New Paltz, um, but I do do traveling to the city from time to time. Um, obviously, if there was like a big order, I could do things. So we try to make it work. Um, and I have some music out on SoundCloud under. Uh, the name uh, Super Shammy, uh, D- DJ JD Shammy. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully I'll be putting some more stuff out. I have, despite what I said earlier, I have been doing a fair amount of writing uh, because I've been, you know, really, really trying to. Um, I've been working on like poetry and stuff. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But yo, I really appreciated talking to you. Uh, just not not only being on the show, but catching up and talking real life. I I live for this sort of thing, so I really appreciate you having me and and plugging me as well. Yeah, man, for sure. I've always, uh, you know, you're you're a cool you're a cool dude, and uh, you know, we go back now a few years if I think about it, and we always yeah. had this, well, at least in my mind, this connection because you know you were under Mike for a bit. And Mike has been my great, you know, friend and mentor and, you know, the best, definitely. And, and I know, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna take my, uh, my soul glow gig at some point. Uh. I, I, know, I know it. Um, and no, and I, I look forward, I look forward to it, dude. I, I really do. Um, but it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to hear, see you like, you know, go from New York city guitar school, you're in college. And I can, I mean, I can't wait to see what, you know, like where you're at five years from now, I hope to be playing your guitar someday and, and, um, you know, see, seeing what, what you do, man, more, more than happy. And, um, over time, I'm hoping to grow this as well. And hopefully we could do this again sometime and Most with, definitely. With more people listen and get you some more, more attention, you know, that kind of thing. I really appreciate it, bro. This is, I think a lot of amazing people that I've gotten to meet in my life, you included, uh, are going to be doing some pretty incredible things. Mike Bennett has been proving it for some time. So I think, I think we're going to, uh, 
I think things are going to be great, bro. And all the, all the blessings, all the power to you. Just thank you so much, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you want to listen to the audio version of the show. And stay tuned for more episodes with incredible musicians. Till next time.